A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in her room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, who heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him with the request, Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her cry. Then, calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. The word of the Lord. The psalm appointed for today is Psalm 23, found on page 3 of your service leaflet. Please stand as you're able and sing. Please be seated. In John's vision of worship in heaven, holy people from every nation sing praise to Jesus, the Lamb on the throne. Because of their faithfulness, they rejoice in God's presence forever. A reading from the Revelation to John. I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. 
And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders of the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they, they who have come out from the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and will and he will guide them to springs of water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. At the time the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem, it was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. Last week, we handed out index cards, and I asked you to write your favorite story about Jesus on an index card, sort of by title, just, you know, what the story was called, and then to go home and to see if you couldn't write down the story by memory, not making any reference to the Bible, Um, what was that story, how was it written, and then to kind of keep that card with you during the week. Um, and mull over that story of Jesus. And I told you then that we would do something with that again this Sunday, and we will. We'll get there. Um, I want to start with John's Gospel. We are reading, this is Good Shepherd Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Easter, so all of the lessons um, on fourth Sunday of Easter have to do with the Good Shepherd. We're reading out of chapter 10 of John's Gospel, where Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd, and not surprisingly, chapter 10 comes after chapter 9, Um, If you remember chapter 9, it's the healing of the man born blind. Um, Jesus and his disciples are walking along. They see the man born blind. The disciples say to Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus says, no one sinned, but so that the works of God might be revealed. He heals the man, and then there's this series of disputes that go go on between the man and the, the synagogue authorities, Um, between the man's parents and the synagogue authorities, um, between Jesus' disciples and the synagogue authorities. And right at the middle of the chapter, we're told that the authorities of the synagogue had already decided that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah 
would be thrown out of the synagogue. Um, so the parents are kind of cagey in their answer. We don't know who this man is. The man finally sees Jesus and confesses him to be the son of man and is thrown out of the synagogue. So chapter 10 comes at a point in the history of John's community when they've been kicked out of the synagogue. They're feeling adrift and beleaguered. And so Jesus starts chapter 10 by saying, I am the gate to the sheepfold. Anyone who comes in some other way than the gate is a thief or a robber, um, giving that community a sense of protection. And then he goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. I lead the community out of the gate and then back into pasture so that they can go in and go out and find pasture. So they felt beleaguered. He first of all assures them that they are safe in the fold. And then he says, oh, but you have, to, you have to go out as well. And then we come to today. Some of those Jews who heard Jesus' dispute with the man born blind come to him. They're intrigued by what's going on. They say no one who isn't from God could heal someone born blind. And they say to Jesus, if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Now, we already know that anyone who confesses him to be the Messiah is going to be kicked out of the synagogue. So Jesus, as so often happens in John's gospel, gives a non-answer. I have told you already, and you didn't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me. Read John's gospel from cover to cover, and nowhere will you find Jesus telling anyone that he is the Messiah. Nowhere will you find the gospel writer telling anyone that Jesus is the Messiah. Every other title imaginable for Jesus gets used. Son of God, Son of Man, Word, you name it, Jesus gets called it. But never unequivocally Messiah. So clearly Jesus in this story is misdirecting us. But the works that I do in my Father's name testify to me. Again, read the Gospel of John cover to cover, and you will find the word works all over the place. It is necessary for us to be working the works of God while it is day. The works that I do testify to me. The works that I do, you will do greater ones than these. So Jesus, or John's community, is not interested in doctrinal definitions about Messiah. They are interested in works. We have a wonderful story from Acts um, that talks about kind of the works that the early Christian community was doing. The story is told in a way that it will remind us of a bunch of other stories, particularly Jesus healing the leader of the synagogue's daughter and Elijah raising the son of the woman um, that he used to stay with when he traveled. Um, when Jairus comes to Jesus and says, my daughter is ill, Jesus begins to make his way to Jairus' house. The people come out from the house and say, don't bother, she's dead. Jesus gets into the room, kicks everybody out, says to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl rise up, and Talitha and Tabitha differ by one consonant in Greek, so we're supposed to hear that story. And then he says to her, says to the, to the parents, give her something to eat. Um, Elijah, the um, woman's son, dies. She puts him in the upstairs room, sends off to get um, Elijah, comes back with Gehazi, and then Elijah. Elijah comes up into the upstairs room, prays, um, takes the young man by the hand, and then shows, her, shows him to her, his mother, 
alive. So these two stories we're supposed to be hearing. But notice what Luke does with the story. Um, when Tabitha dies and Peter gets there, um, the widows are there showing Jesus all of the tunics and the clothing um, that she had made for them. They're focused on their grief, on the grief in the community. Look at all of these wonderful things that she had done um, for us. Peter then kicks them out, raises her, and Luke very carefully says, showed her to be alive. Um, That's kind of an ambiguous statement in Greek, that she was already alive, um, that she continued to be alive, that she was alive again. It can mean all of those things. Showed her to be alive. And then it says, word of this spread through Joppa, and many came to believe. So they had been focused on their grief. Look at all of these wonderful things that she had done for us. And after Peter gets there, they're focused on telling the good news. Look at all of these things that she has done, and now many have come to believe. So the story that you wrote down, um, I want you to, again, think about it this week and ask yourself the question, how is this story working in my life? What conversion is called forth from me. What thanksgiving do I give? And I'll give you an example. My favorite story last week when I asked you to do this, um, just for that week, happened to be the story of Jesus and the encounter with the Syrophoenician woman. Um, Jesus has gone up north outside of Galilee into the Decapolis. He's staying in a house there. He's staying in a Gentile house, so it's very hard for him to be kosher and eat out of the right kind of utensils and all of that, so he's outside his comfort zone. The woman comes to him, and we're told very specifically she was a Gentile. And she asks, she says, my daughter has a demon. Heal her. And Jesus says something rather surprising. He says, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. This doesn't fit with our picture of Jesus. Um, He says, no. And she says to him, yes, sir. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus is startled and says, you're right. For that faith, your daughter is healed. The reason I like this story is because Jesus, even Jesus, is converted by his encounter with the other. So the way it kind of works on my life is this person that I'm dealing with right now, What do they have to teach me? What conversion is called forth? So the story that you wrote down, think about in your life. How does this um, make a change in your life? What does this do to your life? And I'm not interested in you going back to look it up in the Bible. The question is, who is this Jesus in the heart of our community? And the way we remember those stories is going to be important um, to the way we think about Jesus. Um, And John's community is not interested in pinning down exactly who this Jesus is. Are you the Messiah? Tell us plainly. I have told you. No, he hasn't. But the works that I do in my Father's name testify to me. What works are going on here that testify to Jesus? This um, group that's getting together, this consortium of congregations to do senior ministry, there are three Catholic, four Catholic parishes, um, St. Elizabeth of Hungary, St. Justin Martyr, uh, Our Lady of Providence, and St. Catherine Labouré. There's an ELCA parish, um, St. Thomas Holy Spirit. There's us, um, and possibly also St. Lucas UCC. 
Now, if we were going to worry about doctrinal definitions before we did anything, it would be a long time before we did anything together. But the works that we can do together, now there's something exciting. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me. Where do we find Jesus? Not in doctrinal definitions, but in the works that we're doing. So how does this story work in your life? Who is this Jesus for you? What changes is that making? Come back next week prepared maybe to mention something in the prayers of the people of how this story has affected your life. And if you didn't get a 3 by 5 card last week, there are index cards back there. You can get one from home. Write it down by title and then try and write it down by memory the best you can. And ask yourself, how does this change me? How is this Jesus present in my life and in our life together? Amen.